Welcome to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. This is Chris. We're joined today by Andrew, the fearsome foursome of uh, Andrew, Matt, Mike, and myself. And we are gathering today to talk about the offensive line. Uh, we're going to focus first on the two offensive linemen that the Eagles drafted. Uh, and then we'll drift into talking about uh, the way that the O-line exists um, as we see it going forward. But uh, first of all, how's everybody doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Feeling groovy. Yeah, hanging nice. in there. Nice. Everybody's surviving. Uh, this is definitely something that's helped me, you know, kind of get through quarantine stuff, talking about this sort of thing. But uh, I think we should say right off the bat that this is a lot less interesting on the surface, uh, talking about O-line, watching O-line tape, uh, reading their stats, any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, the O-line has been a strength for the Eagles. And something we'll talk about later is the fact that they've, even with ups and downs, they've sustained a really good O-line over time. Um, so clearly it's a position they want to invest in. But uh, let's start it uh, talking about Jack Driscoll, who was uh, – I'm going to have somebody check the, the pick number, actually. I want to say he was a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he – fourth round, sorry. Um, so he is uh, 6'5". He's 294. Uh, he came out of Auburn, but prior to being at Auburn, uh, graduated from UMass in three years' time and then was a grad transfer to Auburn. Um, he's got 45 consecutive starts under his belt, uh, mostly at right tackle. I think that should be noted. Uh, and, and we'll kind of bring up the versatility of playing right versus left uh, when we talk about Andre Dillard, or at least I, I will bring up a point around that a little later. But in addition, Dreskel ran uh, at a guy – at a size, I should say, of 6'5", 294, he ran a 5 flat 40, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, clearly, from his degrees and his collegiate experience, he's an experienced football player, but also seems to be a really bright guy. A um, couple quotes about Driscoll real quick, uh, both from Joe Marino of the Draft Network. I mentioned them on the last podcast. I'll continue to mention them. They're just a great resource. They have an awesome uh, mock draft machine. Uh, that people hit up before the actual draft and they just always have good information on players. So Joe Marino says as a pro uh, of Jack Driscoll's game, he's a fluid athlete with nimble feet and easy lateral mobility. Uh, he's smooth and his feet enabled him to frame pass rushers and mirror. He's pretty patient in pass protection and isn't easily drawn out of his sets. And a con from Joe Marino of the draft network was that you wish uh, Driscoll had more mass, length, and power. He has to get stronger to reach his potential at the next level. Um, I did look up a stat from the combine. Driscoll put up 23 reps at 225. Um, so it's a lot of weight to be thrown around. Uh, but I guess for a guy of his size, they expect him to be a little bit stronger. Um, to my eyes, and I'll start it off and then kind of send it around, on tape he looks like a sturdy, confident, kind of consistent player. That's really the best quality I – Saw. I didn't really see a lot of the athleticism of this like 5040, which is really impressive for his size. I didn't really see a lot of that on tape, but that can be a lot of scheme oriented uh, stuff. Um, but seems to general, in general, sustains his blocks pretty well. Uh, to be fair, I really also didn't see him go up against anybody. I thought, like, wow, that guy's a really good pass rusher. Now, he went to Auburn, which matters, but I never really saw him that way. That could be that he plays right tackle instead of left. So I'm going to open it up about Jack Driscoll um, and see what you guys think. Uh, he's also, he was a senior. He's 23 years old. Andrew. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that, um, 
that analysis of him that, you know, he perhaps lacks overall strength, but he's nimble with his feet. He's got great lateral mobility. I mean, to me, that immediately made me think of Jason Kelsey, right? His biggest knock was he's not strong enough. He's too small. But, I mean, the guy is by far the best center uh, in the NFL and probably has been for the last several years. Um, So, you know, (laughs) that's a rush to comparison, of course. Um, But I think he kind of fits that typical – um, now, I would say interior lineman for the Eagles. Uh, I see him maybe more as a, as a guard, um, which is good, too, because, you know, Brandon is coming off of a, of a big-time injury. Um, and then you have uh, – who's there on the left? Uh, Isaac. Um, you know, he's in the starting spot now. So, you know, perhaps he's a, he's a great backup guard. Um, but we'll have to see. I thought what was interesting with him was um, – he seemed to have a history of kind of proving himself, working himself to get to the level where he's at. Um, you know, obviously transferring to a big time program from UMass to Auburn. Um, I, I believe he participated obviously in the combine. He played in the uh, East West all-star game. And he also had a, you know, a, he was part of the Auburn pro day. So he's put himself on tape. He's, he's put himself out there. Um, and we'll have to see, uh, but I, I, you know, it's a, it's a fine pick for the, what was it? Fourth round, but. Uh, I think he's got the potential to kind of fit into that uh, quintessential interior lineman that's conducive for the Eagles offense. Matt? Yeah, I agree with you, Andrew. Uh, um, uh, A smaller guy coming in at uh, 306 pounds, it looks like. Um, That's right where Lane Johnson was when he joined the league. Uh, And now Lane's up to about 320. And that's healthy weight that Lane was able to add. I think it's good that he's slated, Driscoll's slated right now behind Lane Johnson because I think he can learn a lot from him, not only on the field but in the weight room as well, to bulk up like the critics are saying. He does add to, needs to add weight uh, but has the mobility. Um, so if he gets the strength, he already has the mobility. Um, that's a good one-two punch. Let's also not count out uh, his intelligence. I mean, UMass, uh, that's no joke of a school. And then he uh, goes to Auburn to earn his MBA. Uh, This this guy's smart. So uh, I think it's a good addition, and I think it's a good value in the fourth round. Mike? Yeah, Matt, I I definitely picked up on Jack Driscoll being very smart. The fact that he did get his MBA uh, while he was at Auburn just speaks kind of volumes to his off the field intelligence. Um, and I think the way that he described it was it's, it's kind of set up a systematic way where he knows how to learn something new, which could be really advantageous to him right now, given that he's learning the Eagles playbook, he's learning offensive line, um, zone blocking schemes, you know, via his computer, maybe that could be a really valuable asset, his, his smarts, his academic smarts off the field. But yeah, you know, also, this is Jason Kelsey's last year. Um, Jack Driscoll's a very versatile player. He's taking, you know, he's starting to learn the center position uh, so that he could potentially be a replacement for Jason Kelsey. Uh, and I think given his level of intelligence, it could lend very well to him taking over that spot because he is able to do all that uh, on the field calls and check downs and whatnot for the rest of the offensive line. So 
we'll see what we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he winds up being used. I I think the idea of uh, potential future center, the Eagles are going to need that, as as you said. Jason Kelsey's indicated this might be his last year. At least he's coming down to it. I think, and I'm going to put Stat Matt on this to, to check out for a little bit later, but the Eagles did sign an undrafted free agent who was a center in college and gave him a pretty good amount of money, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not cross-training Driscoll um, or, like Andrew said, that Driscoll might not be a guard. But it should be noted, uh, one of his coaches at Auburn said that Driscoll's ability to pick up on their uh, O-line scheme and their run game and uh, for pass blocking and all those things coming in from UMass uh, was pretty quick um, and that he really tapped into all the coaches and his teammates as resources to learn as much as he could um, as fast as possible. Uh, no, it's not Nate Herbig. It's um, it's a guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent this year, although Nate Herbig is another – Yeah, I think that's it. Luke Jurga out of Western Michigan. Yeah, and they gave him – they wound up giving him some money. So either way, you know, they have some, it seems like, depth pieces there and and – eventually they are going to need a center. But going back to Driscoll specifically, I guess I wonder, you know, I'm going to go to Stat Matt here who has some coaching and, and uh, high school playing experience. But to me, when I read this part where it says he's pretty patient in pass protection and isn't easily drawn out of his sets, um, it gets, you know, kind of football talk right away there. But I feel like what, what a younger player might do is get drawn out of their sets. And I wonder if that reflects him as a bright, you know, his intelligence uh, at all that part of his game yes that's high praise um, you know these these young guys can get drawn out of place by stunts where you have the two defensive linemen crossing uh, you can bring the uh, uh, delayed blitz there uh, and it's it's tough there is a learning curve to pick that up especially at the next level where it is uh, a step and a half faster um, if he's able to pick that up from the beginning then the sky's the limit for this guy. And I think he has some room to grow. Almost everybody said that. And I think not just where he was drafted in the – you said fourth, Mike, I think. Um, that if that's the case, then that was their plan, you know, to, to develop this guy a little bit. But it sounds like once he gets a little bit more uh, of uh, a pro workout going for himself and uh, um, working with the Eagles – conditioning and, and weight training teams that they'll probably bulk them up a little bit but the speed and the versatility is definitely what appealed to the Eagles uh, Mike had a hand up yeah just as a, a side note and fun thing that I picked up on with Jack doesn't he kind of remind you of one of the offensive linemen in Rudy who's just like gunning for Rudy to get on the field um, maybe the one who started the slow clap uh, at the end of the movie, he, I don't know. He seems like a. He kinda, I got that vibe listening to him. I could, I could get that vibe. I think he's from like Connecticut, yeah, uh, or somewhere in New England. But he, he has kind of a good old boy like type of feel to him. So I, I feel it that way. Um, but I, I think we should move from talking about Driscoll, who I think we all see as having potential and athleticism, but probably more so um, as a, a future impact player. Um, as the O-line ages, and we're going to talk about that in, in just a little while. But we want to hit on uh, the Eagles, and I'm going to double-check with everybody here. Sixth-round pick, I believe it was, Prince Tega Wanogo, who uh, is actually a prince. Uh, and if anybody has information, a little more information on that, um, I didn't really dive into that as much. But he is a Nigerian-born prince. Prince is a, a title. Um, he is six foot five. He's also out of Auburn, like Jack Driscoll. 
um, but mostly played left tackle opposite uh, Driscoll. And Prince Tegawanogo is 6'5", 307. He's a senior. Um, and he moved from Nigeria to Alabama to be a basketball player initially, um, but wound up switching to football. Uh, Jordan Reed, who writes for uh, the Draft Network, mentioned that Tegawanogo uh, is urgent and springy in his pass set, and his basketball background is easy to see throughout his game. But he does note he's still relatively new to the game of football, and he's raw. And so we'll need development. And, and I think where he was drafted kind of reflects that. Um, the other con that he mentioned is that a lot of his weight is carried uh, in his upper half and that he'll need to develop a little bit more. Um, and that when he gets beat, it's pretty apparent that the person just kind of drove him back and he wasn't able to kind of anchor himself. So it, this is just kind of some information that I found looking, looking him up, watching him myself, just my own eyes from the eye test. Definitely a big physical dude, uh, definitely an imposing type, but it is pretty um, – glaring that his his lower half is more like a basketball kind of a build and that he might want to kind of stock up a little bit in order to to hold up in blocking um i didn't see any footage of him playing right tackle he pretty much only played left tackle so i i'm curious about his versatility um i know he's got you know uh, more of a background that's kind of inspiring because of his story and certainly if anybody has any comments on that feel free to, to hit on them but i think this is a really athletic player who just doesn't have a ton of experience playing organized football. But when he did, it was at a, a high-level program. So he's got promise, but the sixth-round draft pick, the work that's needed there, I see him you know, making an impact maybe somewhere down the line, and we'll see. I'll, I'll leave it up there. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it. Look, he, he's going to be a project, right? But you took a sixth-round flyer on him, so you know what better lineman to learn from as well than – um, you know, uh, Lane Johnson, who's there, and, you know, if Peters comes back in, in whatever capacity that might be, Jason Kelsey. So, you know, the, hopefully the the technique um, will come. But I, I think this was a flyer on a guy that has uh, great size. Uh, he's got, like, the ideal frame uh, for an offensive lineman. He's got long arms. Um, and for somebody who uh, just started playing football in – and, you know, maybe not high school, but only a few years ago um, to then be a starting offensive lineman for a top SEC program. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's probably all reliant on pure athleticism. Um, so, you know, high, high ceiling. Um, the only thing that I did see that caused me slight concern, but, you know, he, he's young enough and maybe this doesn't have much bearing, but uh, it did uh he had knee surgery uh not too long ago and i don't how, know how major that procedure is was maybe Stat matt's got that but um it did keep him from it kept him out from taking part in the uh in the senior bowl and some of the uh in the in the combine so i believe again, he was projected almost as a first or a second and it's that knee injury that that scared teams off um now that might have been based on you know play prior to this year but i've read that a couple places that he was projected originally way higher as high as a first round pick um but that this injury or the surgery i guess uh knocked him down a little bit sorry i just wanted to kind of throw that in there yeah, mike what are you thinking andrew oh, go ahead. matt go ahead it was arthroscopic surgery on the knee back in January that kept him out of the senior bowl. Okay. So, so obvi I mean, obviously something to look at, but you know, 
I don't know. Doesn't seem too too much cause for concern. Maybe a little bit of recency bias there. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, so I was really captured by his story uh, where he basically came to America not, you know, with the dream of playing basketball. And I guess, you know, he's um, watching a, a, a team practice football one day with his buddy. They start throwing the ball around and the coach sees these really big guys and says, hey, you want to like give this a shot? And he says, sure. Um, apparently they didn't have cleats that fit him. So he had to, he put on his uh, size, his pair uh, 16 Jordans and put a helmet on. And I guess the first play he just started, coach put him in at defensive end. He just started lighting people up. Um, and prior to that, it said that the only football experience he had was he had watched the blind side, remember the Titans and the longest yard. And that was it. So, you know, this is towards the end of his high school career. And then the um, college offers started to pour in for the guy. And uh, he's really come a long way quickly, which I, I think is the real upside of, of him. But what do you what do you think about that? I, I think those are awesome nuggets. Everything you threw out there, including the fact that most of his football knowledge was based on movies. Uh, I just think that's awesome. Um, he sounds like just a guy to, uh, to root for. Um, I think, you know, one thing I noticed with him is he is an athletic guy, but he, at the same time, it seems to me like when I watched him that they put him out, you know, how sometimes they'll put no lineman out wide as an eligible and then they'll throw a screen and they'll use the alignment to just truck the first couple guys in front of them. They did that with him a few times and in different bubbles and stuff like that. And he almost over anticipated every play that I watched him do it on. So that I think just reflects he's somewhat new to the game, but Stoutland Stoutland is somebody that we should have probably started this with is that part of the reason the Eagles have been so successful at O-line is because of their coach. Um, but I, I hope that with this guy's talent and his athleticism that they can bring some of that into the fold. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, Mike, some great points there. Same with you, Chris. I, I think we read the same article, Mike, uh, and I saw that uh, they clocked him, the football coach clocked him uh, in his 40. He ran a, a 4.6, 40. Uh, so it, the guy is talented. He's got a lot of raw potential. Um, my issue is uh, you got to look at the depth chart here. Um, we, we're talking that this guy is going to be a project. Uh, we took a project on in Jordan Mulata when we drafted him in the seventh round of the 2018 draft. Um, now, we signed Mulata to a four-year deal worth $2.5 million. Um, and we got to ask ourselves, how many projects are we willing to take on? I just, we have Andre, we have Lane Johnson, uh, pro, uh, all pro uh, tackle. I'm not worried about him. But we have Andre Diller going into his sophomore year. And then we have uh, rookies backing up these two guys. Now, yes, Peters may be coming back, but we don't have a lot of experience at the tackle position. So I, I'm glad that we have uh, some guys with raw talent, but. Uh, you know, you can't ask these guys to start tomorrow. And as far as depth goes at the tackle position, I'm a little bit worried. Well, and it's kind of like how many experiments are we going to are we gonna see here before we finally see some production? Jordan Mylotta, to me, when they signed him, watching those videos of him play rugby, I just wanted to see him run somebody over. So, And I still hope that that happens at some point. Um, but I, I agree with you, Matt. And I, getting into, you know, 
the current O-line or the O-line as it stands, you know, prior to this year's draft, age is something that, that came up to me right away. And, and Howie's ability to um, use contract work and maintain the consistency of the O-line for the most part um, throughout recent Eagles history. But to break down some ages, Andre Dillard was drafted as an older draftee. He's 24. Sam Malu, who plays next to him at left guard, Andrew mentioned earlier, he's 26. So after that, things start to hike up a little bit. And all these guys kind of along the same line drafted around the same time. So you have Jason Kelsey, who's 32. Brandon Brooks at right guard, who's 30. And Lane Johnson, who's 30. Now, all those players are good enough players. As Matt said, all pro players, um, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, both have made the Pro Bowl. Bowl. Um, Jason Kelsey made the Pro Bowl. They have all the accolades there. So it's, it's clear that there's talent. Uh, but the question about the age and the need for depth makes me think that that's really what informs, you know, the, the choices in the draft. So I thought that that would be an interesting thing to, to kind of transition with a little bit there. The last thing I'll say about the draftees before we fully move on is that they meet those criteria. They seem to love the game, albeit maybe inexperienced for Prince Tegawanoga. They're fast players, uh, and for the most part, they're healthy players, but the Tegawanogo surgery recently obviously dropped them in the draft. So they seem to at least somewhat meet that criteria that's been a common thread throughout our podcast. But in really talking about this, you know, I think, again, just to give a little golf clap to Howie, he's done a great job of constructing the O-line. But last year, he moved up to take a player that the Eagles had never met with in the pre-draft process in Andre Dillard. Now, I'm going to break down Andre Dillard from my perspective. I want to hear from you all on Andre Dillard, and then we'll talk about the idea of Andre Dillard versus bringing back Jason Peters. So to me, Andre Dillard struggled a bit when he came in at left tackle, was asked to play right tackle, struggled more, had a little more experience at left tackle, and played a little better to where I thought, okay, this guy definitely has some ability when he's playing left tackle. I personally had a major issue with him being pressed into action at right tackle because Lane was hurt and him complaining to the press that it was like having to use your opposite hand. I understand that it's difficult, but it's almost like he's kind of predetermining the outcome uh, and it's a negative kind of attitude. And it, it, that to me, combined with a few other factors, which I'm going to hit on after I let you guys touch on Dillard, but that to me is, is concerning. He looked solid to me at left tackle when he played there, when he, was able to get his legs underneath him after he'd had some experience. But that part really shook me. The fact that when he was asked to play right tackle, not only was he poor in his playing, but he had a shitty attitude about it. So I wanted to kind of see what you guys thought about that. Let's start with Andrew. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't ever hear that uh, quote or, or not remember, didn't remember it, I should say, but. Um, that's the, the effects of being in Paris. Yeah, exactly. I was out of the country, but I don't. I don't know how much credence I I put into it. Um, I know as Philadelphia fans, we can be a little bit uh, sensitive to those types of comments. We we want blue collar workers. Um, we want him to step up into that right tackle position. Look at it as an opportunity, and I'm sure he did. Look, he was a first round draft pick. He's playing in the NFL. Um, was he misquoted? Is he uh, you know someone who complains? I don't know. I haven't heard enough stories and maybe, maybe there's more of a track record out there that I'm not following, but I look at it as 
you know, he played, I think, a little over 300 snaps last year. Um, as you said, mostly at left tackle, some at right. This guy's the left tackle, right? Um, I, I think that's where you want him to be. Uh, last year was an opportunity to throw him in there to get some some um, experience more than anything. Um, in terms of uh, Peters coming back or not, uh, and we can d dive into this a little bit more later, but um, I, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing if Peters came back. I was against it at first. Uh, you know, I think it's run its course. He hasn't started, um, you know, more than eight games or something since 2016. He's constantly injured. He's got always got the false start penalties. But even through all that, he still remains one of the best left tackles in the league. So what what is it if he comes back? Dillard knows that he's going to get hurt at some point. So Dillard will get his opportunities. He gets kind of one more year of learning under a Hall of Fame left tackle. Is that the worst thing? I don't know. And maybe that even helps his headspace if that comment that he made about the red the right tackle position makes him seem like a little wonky one year under Peters. Eh, who knows? Mike. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a really good question. Are the Eagles in a better position having an older tackle like Jason Peters, even though he's at the end of his career, we are very comfortable with him. And we know that he is a quality left tackle in the NFL still. So starting the year off with Peters, even knowing that he might have um, issues throughout the season, it, it seems a little more comfortable to me, at least. Um, not only that, then it, then it brings all five of our offensive linemen returning from last year. That continuity has to be in the Eagles' favor, um, just since you know, those guys have already jived together and know, you know the chemistry is already there. Uh, but going back to... Um, Andre Dillard, I did, I did kind of want to just bring up the, uh, a point I heard Jason Kelsey talking and he was saying that it wasn't any secret that, uh, Dillard needs to get stronger. And he basically was saying everyone knows it. He knows that it. it's not a big surprise. His, his strength just wasn't there last season. And he was looking forward. This is Jason Kelsey speaking, looking forward to, uh, getting back in the swing of things to see what kind of offseason Dillard, you know, what kind of workouts he put in and did he really get himself stronger because he feels he'll develop into a solid player. Mike, you are bringing fire content to it today. Uh, I think I think that's an excellent uh, input there from from Jason Kelsey. And I, I did hear um, part of that interview and it, it did seem like that um, – was apparent to everybody, including Dillard, in that there was intention to to help him get to where he needs to be. Matt, what are your what are your thoughts on Dillard? It's uh, it's funny, Chris, because um, before I started doing my research, I thought, hey, you know, getting thrown to the fire like he did uh, could be beneficial. He was benched. He he went through the gambit in his uh, rookie year, um, and you would hope and you would figure that a, a player would learn from that, but taking a step back, doing some research, looking at his uh, profile from the draft. I have a quote here saying, Andre Dillard has attractive qualities as a tackle prospect, but his transition to the pros will be best if he is not pressured into early play. And what did we do? <laughs> we pressured him into early play. Uh, so even though he was a first round um, and has first round uh, 
potential. I've seen the uh, comparison to Eugene Monroe, a longtime uh, good lineman, now with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, his sophomore season is really going to determine how the rest of his career plays out. Uh, and I think he, he really needs to take another uh, step forward here. Yes, the quote wasn't good. I chalked that up to him being a rookie, young and unexperienced, not knowing uh, the birds banter out there. Uh, so I, I really, you know, we're all pulling for him in his sophomore year, but he, he needs to make a statement. He needs to come out and make a statement. I think Andrew had a good quote regarding this. Uh, there we are. Sorry, tech issues. There, in are, the there you are. Yeah, no, all good. All good. Um, yeah, actually, uh, Doug came out with a quote today, obviously, with the um, uh, the recent conversations swirling around Jason Peters. Is he coming back? In what capacity? Um, this was a really poignant quote. Take for it what you will. But uh, Coach Peters said, Andre Dillard was the player that we drafted to be the left tackle for us. Andre played last year, and I think that kind of propels him into this offseason where he's taking command of that role. And we have a ton of confidence. I have a ton of confidence in Andre Dillard and playing the left tackle spot. So, I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less from, from Coach Peters and the team, but I think that's a really strong, uh, strong quote. And, yeah, let's instill confidence in this guy. Chris? Yeah, it's, it's a strong endorsement for sure. And I think, you know – there's so much talk going on right now and it, it does seem like the Eagles are kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth saying that they both want to support Andre Dillard, but also have left themselves open to the possibility of Peters coming back. I just want to bring up a couple other things about Dillard. And I enjoy Dillard as a player when he's playing left tackle. And it seems like he's somebody who kind of has to have some experience. I think that one quote about him being thrown in there is, is really appropriate. Um, but in training camp last year, one of the biggest stories of training camp last year, is that Andre Dillard got in a fight with Derek Barnett and Derek Barnett went right up to his face mask and said, you're going to get Carson killed. And Andre Dillard and him got into a fight and, and Derek Barnett that is got into a fight and Dillard left the situation crying and needed to be consoled by Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. Now, you can take this for being hearsay or, or any of that. It's well-documented. It's been brought up. He's been asked about it. Barnett's been asked about it. It's, it's gone back and forth. That stuck out to me when it first happened. The other thing that stuck out to me is a, a little quote that I read that a scout mentioned, a scout from another NFL team mentioned about Dillard. said he's got skills, especially in the run-blocking game, but he really is not a glass eater. And I just liked that quote because I thought, man – Lane Johnson's a glass eater, you know, Jason Kelsey's a glass eater, Brandon Brooks is a glass eater. So I thought that, that really stuck out to me. The other thing, and this is just coming out of left field, but I got to mention it. He comes from a small town in Washington called Woodenville, right? And then he comes to Philadelphia and what is going on with players from the university of Washington coming to Philadelphia and just having issues of any kind, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Lord. It remains to be seen as everybody said, but. Sidney Jones, Markel Fultz, now Andre Diller. Hopefully Andre Diller changes the, the narrative a little bit. But it's just kind of, you know, one of those things that doesn't instill a lot of confidence. He played well enough, but if he had played so well, we wouldn't have these other concerns. We would have forgotten about these other things. 
personally, I think it'd be nice to have Peters there for all the reasons that Andrew mentioned. I also don't know with that if Peters is really willing to take a backup role. So, you know, Dillard, if he's not versatile, if he's not able to play the other tackle spot, um, if, you know, there are some either character concerns or whatever that the Eagles didn't suss out because, again, they never met with him in the draft process and they moved up in the draft to take him. So there's a lot of factors there. I get it. I, I know it sounds like I'm really slanting against Dillard. I really did like the play that I saw when he played well, but there were things that really concerned me. So I'm all for them bringing Peters back because, to me, Dillard is still a question mark and a lot remains to be seen there. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, just a note on that. Um... Barnett's a bad man, all right? He had six and a half sacks last season. If he came up to me, I think I'd start crying too. So, of course, I'm not a, uh, a pro tackle, but uh, – I just I, think I about that moment of him going, you're going to get Carson killed, yeah. <laughs> and then just the whole place erupting. But go ahead, Mike. I mean, I'm probably taking a different take than you guys might have thought, but I'm not totally against the guy crying – after Barnett says that to him, because that, that's his job is to protect Carson Wentz. If he's going to be the reason that Carson gets seriously injured, I would feel terrible about it. So like, man, not a terrible thing that he feels bad. To me, it's, it's professional. This is different than, than college. And, and it seems to me that he's having a difficult time in transition, whether it's being asked to play, uh, you know, another position than the one he's most comfortable in or, you know, having interpersonal stuff. But I do think there's something to be said about the fact that Eagles never met with him. He comes from a small town and comes to Philadelphia. I think that's culture shock. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I think there's one stat, and I actually don't have it in front of me. Um, but there, there is some um, statistic where uh, basically it's highly, highly unlikely um, that, a, that an offensive lineman drafted in the first round does not start by year two. The percentage of players who don't start by year two is very, very small. There's a very limited uh, amount of people. And usually those people who didn't start in year two, it was because of an injury of some sort. So while we, I do agree that, you know, Peter's coming back and maybe Dillard not starting is, is maybe what's best for Dillard, it's very um, against the grain, against the norm in terms of NFL offensive linemen drafted in the first round. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's so much there uh, that makes you wonder uh, what's coming here in the future. And I think having Peters as, as insurance or whatever he winds up being just can't hurt. One more point I wanted to bring up that I had written down and forgot earlier. If Driscoll has guard versatility, and, and the Eagles do like players who are built like Driscoll uh, for the guard position. So I thought that was a good point Andrew made earlier. Um, Brandon Brooks has had uh, over the last season and, and earlier when he first signed with the Eagles, he's had a few episodes of anxiety attacks where he's not been able to play. So hopefully that versatility is there from Driscoll and maybe Winogo too, if they're able to really develop them. All right, we're going to wrap up the pod for today. I just wanted to bring up and see if we could come up with a top three, an Eagles water cooler top three all-time Eagles offensive lineman. And when I say all-time, I mean just for our lifetime. Um, so what, what are your guys' thoughts? Everybody mics on. Let's kind of beat this up a little bit. I, I figure Peters has got to be up there. Peters is definitely on there. Okay. So I, will we say Peters is number one? Yeah, then maybe like Danny Watkins. Fireman Watkins. Um, I, I'd throw John Runyon into the Runyon's got to be. 
I mean, you got to think. You, he went against Michael Strahan two times a year for years. Yeah. I, that's those were some battles on the offensive yeah. Have to throw Trey Thomas. In. I was going to say it's it's probably the that last whole entire probably pretty obvious going to be Trey. I think honorable mention Todd Harriman's Todd Harriman's and uh, Evan Mathis. I always thought was a good player. Did, um, did are we not factoring Kelsey here? Kelsey's a oh, potential Hall of Famer. Oh, that's that's absolute blasphemy. So if it's between, uh, let's say. If we can all agree on Peters and uh, who do we say? Sorry, I was second. Peters and Runyon. Who would who would take that third spot? Would it be Trey or Kelsey? I, I think it's gotta be Kelsey. I think it's Kelsey over Trey. Yeah, me too. I mean, Trey played the more important position, the blindside position, but Kelsey is the captain of that O line. I think and, it's and closer. Be- sorry, I think ahead. it's closer between like Elaine Johnson and a Trey Thomas. Yeah, maybe for that for that fourth spot. Maybe if Lane so, didn't eat steroids, but. <laughs> Stay off the roids. Stay off the roids lane. All right. So our top three are Jason. <laughs> our top three are Jason Peters, John Runyon, and Jason Kelsey. All right. Well, good job today, fellas. I thought we did a good job of shopping things up a little bit. Um, hopefully, the Eagles do bring back Jason Peters so that should they have anything go down, uh, they have him, if nothing else, as a way to counsel some of the younger players. But I uh, hope everybody continues to stay well. Please uh, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We are going to try to come back with an hour-long episode about the defense uh, that will encompass a lot of different topics, probably uh, two weeks, realistically, because we have a holiday weekend coming up, Memorial Day. Everybody stay safe. Uh, Enjoy the warm weather as it's coming up now. And, of course, go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.